everyone. It's Gloria. Welcome to season four, episode three of Misfit Independent. Today's episode is a Q&A with a financial advisor. I'm joined with Rob, who is a financial advisor and also the creator of Beaver Finance, an Instagram page sharing financial knowledge. We chat about what a financial advisor does, different kinds of financial advisors, how to pick one that's right for you, and more. Hope you enjoy. I am here today with Rob Anderson. He is a financial advisor. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining me today. Well, thanks, Gloria. Very excited uh, to be on your show, and I hope the listeners uh, can learn a lot today. Yeah, I hope so too. Why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? I'm 29-year-old, uh, you know, financial advisor from London, Ontario, uh, so in southwestern Ontario. You know, in my spare time, I like to golf. My fiance and I both, uh, you know, play a lot of golf in the summers. Uh, you know, I'm not quite as good as her uh, at this point, but, uh, you know, one day I will, uh, I'll catch up to her. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. My next question for you is, what is your relationship with money? Yeah, that's that's actually a really good question. Um, I've always had a bit of a you know a money mindset, sort of a uh, you know save first kind of mentality. But also, I'm always striving to earn more money. You know, I don't want to skimp out on things that I do like and I do enjoy. You know, mind you, I am still willing to make sacrifices. Um, but also, uh, you know, I do have huge aspirations, right? Whether that's um, you know to grow my business, to help more people, or you know these um, you know side hustles, if you will. I'm always uh, you know striving um, to um, to learn and and uh, and educate. All right, so let's get into today's topic: a Q and A with a financial advisor. Why don't we start from the beginning? How did you become a financial advisor? Like, what's your backstory with that? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. Um, you know, there are a lot of different ways, you know, financial advisor might start in the industry. Um, I do see some that, um, you know, are transitioning from other careers and, you know, are able to self-start uh, in the financial industry. Uh, but for myself, or I finished uh, marketing um, in school um, and I was, you know, one of a thousand uh, graduates and really I didn't know where to go from there. And it wasn't until I talked to one of our professors and he mentioned the finance program. And um, that intrigued me because, you know, I'd always been interested um, in finances. Um, And he also mentioned that almost all the graduates get hired in the industry. Um, So that was also appealing. And, you know, I also had um, taken financial advice you know, at a young age and put it into action, whether that was, you know, when I was 18, I got my first credit card, started building my credit rating. Um, you know, I took my first $500 and invested it, um, you know, at, at 20 and things like that. And, um, you know, so it was definitely, um, you know, an opportunity for me to, to switch focus um, into finance. And so when I graduated um, in finance, you know, I did have um, all my licensing that I needed um, in the industry. Um, and I had all the accreditations from my various courses um, to eventually get my um, designation, which I'm on the last stage of right now and uh, looking to complete you know, before the summer of uh, 2021. Cool. Awesome. So, okay, two follow-up questions. What is that designation that you're going to get? Is that the CFP? Correct. Yes. CFP. So that's Certified Financial Planner. 
And is that the main one that the financial advisors in Canada get? Uh, Yes. Um, You know, there are a lot in the industry that don't have it. Um, The way the industry is moving um, is eventually, I I, I believe, um, that all uh, financial advisors are all those that um, can hold out as a financial advisor as far as titles. We'll be required to have a CFP at some point in the future. That's kind of the direction we're moving. And um, it also you know, shows that to uh, consumers that obviously that advisor is, um, you know, serious about their career, knowledgeable, competent, and um, is governed by a, an industry regulatory body, right? Um, so it's an important designation to look for in the industry. Yeah, for sure. Because I know that there's a lot of different designations. People can be like, financial counselors as well. And there's so many different things out there and it's kind of hard to differentiate. So yeah, that's that's good to know. What does a financial advisor actually do? You know, I think there's the, uh, you know, the perception that, you know, an advisor just, you know, invests money for you. But, uh, you know, in reality, there's a lot that we do, right? Um, everything from, you know, cash flow management, which is budgeting and investment management, uh, risk management, um, so like life insurance, disability, critical illness, um, retirement planning. Um, but then also two other categories that are very important is tax planning um, and then estate planning. You know, those are the specific kind of areas we focus on. And then really, you know, in terms of how an advisor works with the client, it's really a process, um, you know, of an in- initial meeting, which is more discussion based, you know, helps flesh out a client's objectives, um, their goals you know, stuff that's unique to them. Um, And then it's about gathering all the right information, you know, whether that's, you know, someone's, you know, current investments, information on their liabilities, um, any workplace uh, benefits or pensions, retirement plans, you know, copy of their budget, um, all sorts of other information, um, you know, that we might need um, to analyze and then be able to come back with, you know, a snapshot of where they currently are, where they're projected to, to go to, um, what they're able to do, and then kind of what they need to do um, in order to, to reach each goal and then kind of put that into, um, you know, a step-by-step process because very rarely can a client just do everything all at once. Um, you know, those are great clients to work with because they can act on everything right away, but it's usually a process that's implemented over um, you know, multiple months or years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned there is a kind of a large umbrella of things that financial advisors help individuals with, right? So would you say that you have like a specialization in one area? Would a person go to like a different financial advisor for say like their tax planning and their cash flow planning? Or like, does one person kind of do it all? Yeah. So, so, Typically, um, you know, a financial planner goes through the financial planning process with a client, will cover all those areas. You know, you can run into situations where an advisor might specialize in a certain area. Um, So that's why when you have your first interactions with an advisor, it's important to kind of ask some of those questions. You know, some some clients like a jack of all trades, um, you know, type of advisor and they can provide better advice, I, I, I think. I mean, I'm a little biased because that's what I do or that's my approach. It's important to understand, you know, what's happening on 
the insurance side that impacts the investment side versus the spending and everything else, right? Um, and how it all works together. So, um, you know, that would kind of be um, you know, something to look for. Yeah, for sure. So what are some other questions that someone should be asking a prospective financial advisor? You know, a big one is, you know, or, or question for an advisor would be one, understanding how they um, get paid or how you pay them. Their credentials um, can be their education, um, their designations, licensing, you know, also asking them who the, their target market is, also understanding their specialty, perhaps, you know, maybe the advisor works with pre-retirees to get them ready for retirement. You know, they've already got assets and all that. It's a little different um, planning versus someone who's just starting out, needs to get all organized, get the foundation set up. You know, ask them, do they have a team around them? You know, if you have a more complex situation that they can bring in a professional, um, either on staff or with the organization they're a part of, um, they can come in and join meetings, can add extra value for you. Financial advisors are typically the I like to call them the quarterback for clients um, and um, certainly ones that are CFPs um, need to be able to understand when to bring in outside professionals. Um, so this would be, you know, knowing when to bring in um, a lawyer for a will um, or this client is earning a lot of self-employment income. They may need to look at incorporating. They should go see an accountant or all those different types of situations. Yeah, for sure. So going back to one of the first points that you said, like how they get paid, what are the different ways that financial advisors would get paid? Yeah, so that's a good, that's a good question as well. Um, I, you know, I think uh, in a lot of ways, uh, you know, advisors are directly paid um, based on the products and services you have with that advisor. Um, so they'll be paid from that insurance company or from that investment company. Um, so, you know, you might not be writing a check to the advisor um, for their advice. Um, however, there are um, fee-based or fee-only uh, advisors. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, the words or the terminology gets interchanged, but um, I would say a fee-only advisor is more specific to what a CFP is allowed to do, and um, they can charge you um, per plan that they create. Um, so a fixed fee and you pay it out of pocket, um, or they could charge you um, per hour. Um, that's one benefit of being a CFP. But what's more common is actually fee-based, um, which is technically a um, sales commission in some ways, but that would be a percentage of assets, for example. Um, so it could be anywhere from half a percent to a percent and a half, um, you know, depending on all what's um, agreed upon in terms of services needed, required, um, you know, and how much time and effort or how many assets are involved. Um, a lot of times advisors will offer, um, you know, a slight discount if you have larger assets. Um, certainly um, uh, investment companies will. Um, they usually have predetermined fee schedules um, that rebate you or offer you discounts, the more assets you have. Um, so those are important. Uh, I did mention commission briefly. Um, so those would be uh, more common with uh, mutual funds or segregated funds. Every mutual fund or segregated fund has a built-in um, trailing commission, uh, which is basically just fee-based 
um, but it's built into the product. Um, so all your returns are already net of those fees, um, but the investment company is paying your advisor a percentage based on what you have invested, but at the fund level. So you don't necessarily see it. It is most common and probably can allow for smaller investors to gain access to advice because they don't have that barrier of paying directly for that advice. Mm -hmm. Um, So somebody could potentially start with $500 or $25 a month. Um, Those are the the minimums. So um, in some ways it can encourage um, people to seek advice in that sense. Um, So there's still a a purpose, um, you know, for those types of options. Um, But then with that uh, commission-based, there used to be um, upfront commissions paid to the advisor um, for any assets brought over. So those would be like a deferred sales commission, a DSC, um, but those um, for the most part are being left out now. Um, They're no longer in the industry um, as of the new year for a lot of companies. So what would you say is the best kind? And I think this might be a little bit of a loaded question, but the FIRE community, they're always very like against financial advisors because they're like, oh, like they charge you fees. They're just trying to sell you some sort of product. Like you mentioned, they're probably just referring to the commissions-based ones, right? So what do you have to say to that? Just like politics, there's the right and the left. You know, it's uh, two sides of the industry fighting it out, right? It's the, the mutual fund end of the industry. And I suppose you can put um, investment advisors in there versus the ETF industry. You know, there's a lot of money um, on both sides. Um, and then you also add in financial technology. And um, so everyone's trying to sell you something. Um, and it's just, you know, who's barking the loudest? You know, it's all situational, right? And how much you want to be involved. And, and the power of advice, right? You know, the, the right advice at the right time could be a game changer for somebody um, in that Um, you know, certainly worth paying for. I will say, you know, when I look at uh, my practice, um, because, you know, the industry's evolved a lot, even in the last six, seven years for me, and kind of, you know, what I've done with new clients versus some that I've inherited, you know, in various products with different companies, I'm moving towards um, fully uh, fee-based, right? A lot of my practice is already there. Um, I'm hoping to eventually transition it all as I can and as I do new reviews with clients. So, Uh, I think that is um, the way of the future for um, advice-based channels um, with advisors, um, where it is fully transparent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so who, so you kind of already touched on this, but my next question is who should have a financial advisor? Like in what situation should a person be in or like who would be the ideal client for you? Yeah, so those are two good questions. Um, the first one I'll say, um, I think everyone in some capacity um, needs a financial advisor, at least at some point or, or for something, um, or can at least benefit from a financial advisor. And I think it's it's more so, you know, if someone's just starting out, obviously that's the perfect opportunity. Um, you're, get, you're getting in early before any bad habits are set up. Um, you know, things are all, all over the place. Um, you know, you can get organized and on a plan and on the right track quicker and start seeing results faster. But otherwise, I would say it's um, it's life events that trigger, you know, the importance to meet with an advisor. Um, so that could be, 
you know, a new job, um, you know, starting a business, buying a house, um, you know, starting a family, all those are approaching retirement. Um, all those types of, you know, life stages um, are an important time to, uh, to meet with an advisor. And then also, um, you know, I will say, you know, if you had to pick one thing, I would say any retirement savings, I think is something you don't necessarily always want to, um, you know, gamble with. Um, so I think that's something, you know, if you're going to leave one thing up to um, the advice of a financial advisor, it might be that. And, and then also it's important to really understand what your workplace offers in terms of uh, the many benefits, whether that's um, the long-term disability, um, you know, group life insurance, um, work, your workplace pension, other workplace retirement, whether that's our group RSP um, and whatnot. And then, you know, there are also many uh, government programs as well, whether that's um, understanding how CPP works, um, old age security, if you can qualify, and then, um, you know, other uh, programs that might be relevant to you. And, uh, you know, then where you need a individual plan to uh, complement what you already have. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think that it's really important to have a financial advisor for basically someone to help you hold yourself accountable to your financial goals, right? Because it's a lot easier when there's someone kind of prodding you with a stick being like, hello, you need to do this. Yeah. And you know what? One thing I noticed too, um, with a lot of couples, it's very rare, or it's not very rare, but it's unlikely that both will be very engaged and uh, on the same page and, you know, willing to put X amount of money away or do this or that. Uh, it's usually one spouse and they're trying to, um, you know, encourage or get their spouse motivated. Um, and it, usually it's helpful, as you mentioned, to have somebody to hold you accountable um, and a neutral third party uh, where they can hear whether it's even the same message, um, but from somebody else. And because it's not a one and done uh, meeting process, it's an ongoing process that'll be there on an annual basis to um, you know, hold you both, uh, you know, accountable and moving you along, um, you know, closer towards your goals. Um, so uh, it can, you know, be as simple as, uh, you know, helping to manage those um, difficulties with relationships as well. Uh, and, you know, it's managing people and emotions, you know, not just uh, finances. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you kind of touched on this a little bit, but how frequently should someone be meeting with their financial advisor? So once a year, I would say is the basis you know, is a good starting point. Um, You know, a lot can happen in a year, but there are clients that like to meet quarterly or um, semi-annually. There may be um, checkpoints or, um, you know, there are ongoing uh, goals that we're working on that require further contacts, but it's all client or advisor uh, specific. Absolutely. What are some common misconceptions on financial advisors that you've heard and you'd like to debunk? Yeah, I think I think that big one is, um, you know, that somebody needs a lot of money to start with an advisor. Um, I know I touched on this briefly with the different fee models and, um, you know, because um, there are different models such as, um, you know, working with an advisor that's uh, mutual fund based. Um, you know, you can start with a very um, small amount, you know, whether that's, you know, $500 or as low as $25 a month um, can be a requirement, a minimum requirement. Um, so I think that really puts that myth, um, you know, to bed and um, can, you know, help someone take 
take some action and, you know, start um, their journey uh, that much sooner. So how do you choose a financial advisor that's right for you? There's certainly a lot of choice out there. The main thing you can do is, um, you know, ask a, a friend or a family member that you trust for a referral. I think that's a good place to start. Also, you know, you can do your research uh, or should do your research, um, you know, look for reviews or, you know, look at their, um, you know, social media, their websites. Um, and, uh, you know, not to be or sound uh, uh, discriminatory, but um, certainly looking at um, or factoring in someone's uh, age, I think is important too. Um, because, you know, if you're considering an advisor, perhaps that's, uh, you know, close to retiring themselves, you know, that, um, you know, maybe someone who's very experienced and can help you get started. Um, but I think there's a lot more weight in having someone closer to your age who's more relatable to you, your circumstances, um, and then we'll be able to see you um, off to retirement um, that will be there for the long term. Um, so I think that's um, an important factor uh, when considering an advisor. Mm-hmm. Do you have any tips and tricks for investing that may be surprising? <laughs> um, n- nothing um Nothing in particular. I mean, this is kind of a boring answer, um, but I would say, you know, the best thing you can do, and I did touch upon this briefly, was, you know, having a good savings habits and starting early and then also being consistent. Um, that's probably the most important. Um, you know, if you can earn some extra income, whether that's, you know, starting a business or, or a side hustle, um, you know, might allow for some tax deductions, um, you know, an extra income. I think that's, um, you know, important. Uh, maybe more advanced concepts, you know, will certainly be, um, you know, don't be scared of um, RSPs as well. I know there's people, um, you know, like to talk a lot about tax-free savings accounts and how they're so great. Um, but uh, certainly, you know, using RSPs for um, the tax deductions, um, you know, and um, doing that regularly and putting that tax return to work for you as well um, can have uh, great compounding effects over time um, that outweigh the taxable withdrawals in the future. And, um, you know, for someone, you know, who's uh, not risk averse or, uh, you know, is, um, has an appetite for risk, um, can use uh, debt as well. It's uh, not recommended very often, but, you know, somebody can use for example, RSP loans to um, catch up on RSP room and maximize deductions. Um, you know, can use some of that return to pay it back, um, pay it off quicker, um, or do uh, borrowing to invest. Um, you know, it's something that I I did multiple years ago, and uh, you know, it paid off well um, for you know some tax deductions every year, uh, and then also uh, you know I recently had to sell um, for. Um, you know, our mortgage, but um, uh, it is um, a more advanced strategy as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard about margin accounts and stuff, but I haven't really looked too much into it. But yeah, it's definitely interesting. Do you have any books or other resources you'd recommend people to read? Yeah, so on the resource side, I think, um, you know, everyone, um, you know, if they haven't already, um, you know, should look into some sort of budgeting app. You know, I like Mint. I've used it for many years. You know, it's important to know always know um, cash flow and where your net worth stands. Also, you know, nowadays it's so easy to access your uh, credit report. Um, you know, so not to uh, endorse anything, but, uh, you know, Credit Karma is one 
you know, I certainly use um, stay on top of my um, credit. I also use a, um, a simple app. It's a tally counter. I track like things like uh, no spend days. If somebody has debt, they can track extra debt payments they make, extra savings um, beyond any automated savings. Or if they're in um, in business or in sales, they can track sales. Um, and I think um, you know being able to add to that counter, um, you know, helps uh, mentally and c- keeps you um, on track. Uh, and then you can track that month to month. Um, so I think those are some cool resources um, someone can start with. What are a couple key takeaways that you'd like to leave our listeners with today? You know, and one key takeaway was certainly, um, you know, a good financial advisor can be a great tool, um, you know, certainly to help you reach your goals. Not all advisors are created equal, obviously. Get one that, uh, you know, will fit well with you, um, but um, they will make a difference. Thousands or millions of people have retired uh, working with financial advisors. So uh, it is something that works. Um, you know, but uh, you also have to give in that equation. Uh, so I think that's an important piece. You know, if you haven't started a side hustle in 2020, 2021 is the great year um, to start. Uh, earn a little extra money on the side. Um, you know, a lot of us are, are home um, more often right now. And, uh, you know, something that uh, even just an hour a day, um, you know, can go a long way. Uh, earn some extra income that can be put to to work um, and invested. Uh, and also, you know, definitely consider tax when making your decisions. Don't underestimate the, you know, the time value of uh, uh, an extra tax return. Um, you know, that certainly feeds into the whole RSP and TFSA debate. You know, I think both are important pieces um, to leverage. Um, and uh, it's usually never a one versus the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And if people want to find you on the internet, where can they find you? I did start, um, you know, a page on uh, Instagram called uh, Beaver Finance. Uh, you know, it was a way for me to give back um, and, uh, you know, communicate with um, those aspiring um, for to level up their finances. Um, and, uh, you know, it's been an exciting journey so far. Um, so you can find me on Instagram and Twitter and also subscribe on YouTube. And then lastly, uh, I do have another page on Instagram called uh, RTA Talks. And it's for all things advisor and um, for other professionals and salespeople. Thanks for joining me today, Rob. I learned a lot. Well, I'm glad. And I hope the uh, you know listeners uh, also learned a lot. And uh, if they want to learn more, I'm uh, happy to connect with anybody after. Thank you. As the aspiring Miss Independent, this is Gloria signing out. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. And if you're using Apple Pods, please toss me five stars. It would help me so, so much. So see you next time. Until then, stay healthy and grow wealthy.